0: Forty Seven B Three Towards the Bottom in the Article Gemara. The Gemara quotes from the Brisa, Ger <speaking in Hebrew> The Gemara says that uh, the same laws apply to a Ger, to a regular convert, as it applies to a non-Jewish slave with a Jewish master. And so the Gemara is going to ask, what exactly is the comparison between the two? How are we comparing the, the, the two? So just a little bit of background into an Eved kenani, into a non-Jewish slave for a Jewish master. The non-Jew actually goes through a conversion process. Um, It ends up being really a two-step process if you are a non-Jewish slave for a Jewish master. When you become a slave, uh, so they have a bris milah, they have a circumcision, and they go to the mikvah. They go to the mikvah for the purposes of... uh, some level of Jewishness, it's discussed in the Rishonim, in the earlier commentators, what exactly is this level of conversion, according to some, it's a complete conversion. According to others, it's what's referred to as a mixus. it's only a partial, whatever that means exactly, it's a partial conversion. And then when they become free, so then they go to the mikveh again, and there too, there's a discussion, is the need to go to the mikveh again, is that on a biblical level? Is it on a rabbinic level, that really on a biblical level, they are already completely Jewish, it's just a rabbinic requirement for them to go to the mikveh again, and then they become fully Jewish. That is that is the process. When they are uh, still slaves, so they are obligated in the mitzvos, but not in all mitzvos. They are only obligated in the mitzvos and the commandments uh, that are... Uh, that women are also obligated in. So they have a, the status of being obligated in mitzvahs which are not time bound. If they're a time bound and then, then they are exempt. Uh, presumably, uh, it's learnt out from a gzereshav, it's learnt out from a way of connecting words to, uh, to the obligation that women have, but the fact that they're only obligated in time bound Mitzvos, uh, non-time-bound mitzvos, perhaps is the idea that is that they are slaves, and so therefore they are slaves to their masters, and so therefore they cannot be obligated in time-bound uh, mitzvos. Um, and again, there's a question as to whether or not this is a complete conversion or just a partial uh, conversion. Uh, the big question, and this is the big question that comes up, is that is this a forced conversion? Do we force this non-Jewish slave to convert, or do we not force this non-Jewish slave uh, to convert? Are they doing it willingly? And so we will see that in the beginning of the Gemara, if the Gemara is discussing at some stage in the process there's a similarity uh, to, uh, to a regular convert, and so the Gemara wants to assume at first that the similarity is that they have to do it willingly. They have to accept the mitzvahs upon themselves willingly. Uh, there's a discussion at which stage. We mentioned that there are two stages. Is it, is it the first stage or is it the second stage? That, is, that itself is a discussion. Is it when they first become slaves or is it when they become free? That is very much unclear. Uh, but at a certain point, the Gemara assumes originally that at a certain point, they do have to, in fact, um, accept upon themselves the mitzvot. The conclusion of the Gemara is that they do not. This is, to a certain degree, a forced conversion. Uh, however... We will see on Memches Am Beis later on in this week's recording that this is really not so simple. That even though technically it might work to have a forced conversion, uh, we will see uh, that many are of the opinion that they they read the Gemara to say that in the end of the day, if they do not actually accept upon themselves willingly, so then we cannot um, we cannot convert them. Whether it's a, on a biblical level or, or on a rabbinic level, we will discuss that. Uh, But in the end of the day, we will see in Memches and it is really not so simple. It could be that uh, they're not allowed, uh, they would not be allowed to become slaves unless they do so willingly. Uh, They would have to convert willingly. And the idea is that the slave is now part of the Jewish household. They are living with the Jewish family. Um, And once they are becoming a slave for a Jewish family, so then we want them and we need them to convert. And that if they do not want to convert, we will see there's a discussion. Maybe they cannot even become your slave. You are not allowed to keep them as a slave. So let's let's see the Gemara inside. The Gemara says as follows. Uh, one would have thought that the connection between a convert, a regular convert, and this non-Jewish slave is that they both have to accept willingly the mitzvos. The problem is as follows. We have the following b'risa, b'medvarmamur, and b'gera, b'eved m'shochur, and t'arachikaba. We have a b'risa which says that they do not have to accept upon themselves the mitzvot if they are a non-Jewish slave. So how do you explain this? So the Gemara first wants to give the following explanation, that it depends on a different issue. There's a b'risa which discusses a totally different type of situation. There's something called the Eshah Sifas To'ar, which also requires much uh, analysis, but just a brief introduction to Eshah Sifas To'ar is... Uh, when there's a rule that a, if, if the Jews are in battle, they're fighting in battle, and there would be a, in those days uh, there would be uh, women who would try to seduce the Israeli the Jewish soldiers. and so the Torah says because they're in battle, and it's such a a difficult situation that they're in, um, and even their sense of morality is lost because they're in war, they're killing. Um, and they have such a strong desire for, for these women who are, uh, it used to be that they would try to seduce them. Uh, so therefore the Torah said, you know what, let's create some sort of process in which uh, it will be, it'll be permissible for you to essentially marry this non-Jewish woman. Or at least have relation relations with her, sexual relations with her. But the purpose is to create some sort of process where uh, maybe you won't be able to have relations right away. But first, she has to go through some process, which we'll we'll discuss later on, uh, in a different recording. And through that process, she will then uh, she will become undesirable, essentially. But at least for a brief moment, we'll say, you know, maybe it will become permissible, sort of, so that his inclination dies down, his desire dies down. That's that's It's not that we we allow this, or, or that we we want this to happen. Uh, no, it's it's allowed just so that. Uh, we create a situation where he thinks the Jewish soldier thinks it's permissible, but it's really not. Now, in that context, we have the following b'risa. Because it says, within that context of an Ishishifas of this woman, she has a potential option of uh, of converting, either as a regular convert or you can make her into a slave. And so the Baisa says that you can make her into a slave, and not only could you make her into, according to one opinion, you can make her into a slave, and you could force it upon her because she does not have to expe- accept upon herself the mitzvos. That if you don't want to go within the root of an of shefasor where she's not Jewish, you have an alternative route. What is that alternative route? So it's a dispute. The Baisa says as follows: The Tanya, according to the first opinion, the Tanakama. Uh, Either she could become this woman, stay as this woman who's not Jewish, or if she accepts upon herself the mitzvos, she becomes Jewish. She can convert. Regular conversion. However, B'shem ben Elazar says, no, there's another way. Not that he's recommending this, but he's mentioning it. there's another way in which she could become Jewish. Essentially, he says, well, you could force her to become a non Jewish slave because you have taken her captive at war and you could force her to become a non-jewish slave and then you could force her free her and force her to become fully jewish even though she's not accepting upon herself the mitzvot and so the gemara at this stage says you know what this is a dispute about whether or not a non-jewish slave uh, it could we could force a conversion without them accepting mitzvot so according to the second opinion we could force a conversion according to the first opinion we can't without them accepting the mitzvot uh, and that's what the gemara assumes at this stage and just like this is true with regards to this woman who was taken captive at war, so so too it's true with regards to any non-Jewish uh, slave. That's what the Gemara assumes. Now the Gemara just explains. i My time in Jerusalem, but Elazar, what's the reason? According to the second opinion that says uh, that uh, you could take her as uh, to become a non-Jewish slave and, and essentially force her to convert. The slave called Evid Ish Miknas Evid Ish Isha. It's based on a verse. The verse says that uh, it says that this person, you could have a slave of a man. So, the Gemara says, <speaking in Hebrew> is it really possible that you can only have a non-Jewish slave for a man, but not for a woman? Of course, you can have a woman who has a non-Jewish slave. <speaking in Hebrew> but the point is, the says, no, when it says, <speaking in Hebrew> it means that only with regards to an Eved, only with regards to a non-Jewish slave, you could do it, you could force it upon them. That... Uh, this can be forced upon them, that we could force it upon this non-Jew slave, but when it comes to a regular convert, you cannot force a conversion. And so that's where he learns it from this verse to say that when it comes to a non-Jew slave, you could actually uh, force a conversion. Rabbanan, What do the Rabbanan do? The first opinion. Amar shemshi ben ish bal ish bal Do we say that? No, you cannot force a conversion. Vela haksiv kol evet ish. But we have the verse. The verse says the slave of an ish. That's needed for something else. Shmuel says that we learn from Eved ish something else. It's not to teach us that uh, you could have a non Jewish slave have a forced conversion. Rather, it's there to teach us a different concept. This is a totally different concept, in which uh, the idea is that in general. Totally different concept. In general, when one has a non-Jewish slave, the way one frees them is by giving them a document of freedom. One has to give them such a document. There's another way. Schmuel says there's another way. And that way is by being master them. There's something called hefker, where a person sort of removes ownership. They're able to just declare that they remove ownership. And so if a person declares them that they remove ownership over this non-Jewish slave, that automatically makes them uh, free. Because it says, Ebed-ish, evet uh, it says, The idea is that you're only a non Jew slave if you have uh, the master has rishus, has uh, control or ownership over you. But if the master says, you know what, I'm removing my ownership over you, so they don't have to have a document, specifically a document, just by saying it alone, uh, removes the ownership. Once it removes the ownership, the slave now becomes free. But the point in the end of the day is that we have this one phrase, Evid ish according to Rupeshim ben Elazar, that's used to teach us that you can force a conversion upon a non-Jewish slave. Um, And the Rabunin say that, no, you can't force the conversion. You can't force a conversion upon a non-Jewish slave without them accepting the mitzvahs willingly. Uh, The Gemara asks as follows now. Masaklar, Papa, or Papa asks as follows. Amar de shamas lul rabbanon biyefas tov. De lo shecham mitzvos, de lo eved shecham mitzvos ha ganami. De lo rabbanon modu, detanya shechad ger ve echel okech eved min ha'urbei kuchavim tsarich lekabel. Halokech mi yisrael ain't tsarich lekabel. Money e rabbi shimon ben alazar amal okech min ha'urbei kuchavim not mean tsarich lekabel. La rabbanon vishmami nado lokech min ha'urbei kuchavim tsarich lekabel. Halokech mi yisrael Essentially, Rapapa says, well, slow down. What were they discussing? Reb Shem ben Elazar and the Rabban. what were they discussing? They were discussing Eshe Shefas They were discussing the case of a woman who was taken into captivity. Now, this woman, she never had a situation where she was obligated in mitzvot. A regular non-Jewish slave, it's steps. It goes into different steps where, first, he's a non-Jewish slave. He's fulfilling the mitzvot anyways. He's at a stage where he's fulfilling the mitzvot because he's doing the mitzvot so that, women are obligated in. So then, for the second time, when he when he becomes free, and he goes to the mikvah, and he, after he becomes free, so then maybe in that situation, he doesn't have to accept the mitzvah because he already accepted the mitzvot. But when it comes to this uh, woman who's taken into captivity, if you're going to make her into slave just to free her, she was never at any point in time obligated in mitzvah. And maybe that's their whole dispute. Their whole dispute is only limited dispute in this one case of a woman who's taken into captivity in a situation of war. That's when Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar and Rabbanon have a dispute. But the truth is, is that when it comes to a non, regular non Jewish slave, everybody agrees that it could, in fact, be uh, a forced conversion. And they say, we even have a b'risa to support this, because the b'risa says, that when it comes to a ger, a, a non-Jew, uh, who converts, or when it comes to a non-Jew slave, who is bought from a non-Jew, they have to accept the mitzvahs. But it's bought from a Jew, they do not have to accept the mitzvos. So we say that that's referring to the Rabbanon. It must be that that's referring to the uh, first opinion, uh, because they differentiate between buying it from a Jew versus a non-Jew. So we see from here that even according to the first opinion, when it comes to a regular case of a non-Jew who's a slave for a Jew, there too we could force the conversion. They do not have to accept upon themselves the mitzvos because they have already been fulfilling the mitzvos uh, prior to that. So that is what the Gemara says. So the Gemara then asks, Ah, oh, the Gemara asks, but we in the original b'risa, this all comes back to the original b'risa, the original b'risa connects a ger, uh, a regular convert to an evan m'shocher, to a non-Jewish slave, in what way are they connected? So the conclusion of the Gemara is to say that, you know what, both require going to the mikvah. the end of the day, both require going to the mikvah. However, and this is the main point, there is still a very, very big difference between a non-Jewish slave and a regular convert. When it comes to a non-Jewish slave, everybody agrees, according to, the, according to the conclusion, everybody agrees that you could, in fact, force them to convert once they become free without them accepting upon themselves the mitzvot. They do not have to accept upon themselves the mitzvot, and yet you can force them that when they become free, they have to go to the mikvah, and they become a fully Jewish. Uh, now, again, we will see on uh, Memches and Mabiz, on the next staff, that this is re- on the next kamar, that this is really not so simple. That we'll see that there, the way we read the Gemara, it could be that really they did have to accept upon themselves the mitzvos at some point in time. So this is really we have to wait and see until we see later on in the Gemara to see the bigger picture. But as of now, uh, the Gemara does seem to say that uh, we could force. There is a concept of a forced conversion, and that applies to a non-Jewish slave who has been accepting upon themselves the mitzvos already when they were a slave for their Jewish master. Once they become completely free, then they don't have to accept upon themselves the mitzvot. We still force them to convert because they've already been fulfilling many of the mitzvot.